welcome to the second episode of Barking. Yeah, how are we all doing? Doing good. We are in full effect. Um, I'm here with Vanessa and Kieran. Vanessa, what's going down? Tell me all the things. All the things? Yeah. I'm not, um, just living every day, living my life like it's golden, in rehearsals at the moment. Oh, in rehearsals. Oh, I, I finished rehearsals now. We were in the previews, we've opened. What are you in? Joseph. Is it? Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Is so, it? Yeah, so I'm very, very happy. I'm out of rehearsals now and I can just enjoy the Yeah, show. so she can come and play in the palace some more. <laughs> if you see her face. Yeah. Karen, what's the dealio? What's going down? Uh, yeah, I've been doing auditions basically because I'm very careful about the product that I get involved with mm. currently. Um, so I've been writing a lot more. I've been choreographing with a school called Vivo Date. Um, and that's been really nice to work with like younger younger people who are thirsty and energetic for the industry. They thirsty. Um, they thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> that would should have come from Kira. <laughs> I get that so purely. My my filters have come out when I discuss children because they're pure little angelic. Oh. <laughs> also, we have been um, we've been writing our web series. Yes. That we're going to be filming soon, yeah. so uh, get ready for that. I sent the latest instalment to Daniel a couple of days ago, he didn't read it. So. Oh. Yeah, so anyways, I'm doing... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I've just been busy with the web series and working on some merchandise for you guys, so um, stay tuned for that. And then also um, doing Jesus Christ Superstar at the Barbican, which is... We're both in biblical shows. I know, that's right, you see how faithful God see is. See how he works. He's faithful. Won't he? Yeah. Won't he, Won't he do it? So today, <laughs> today's topic, we'll be talking about mental health in the arts industry and representation for people of colour. And we have two guests today. We have the amazing Eddie Elliott and Raf, the founder of Applause for Thought. Yay! Hi. Hi. Equally amazing. Raffaella, tell us about yourself and Applause for Thought. I'm an actress, first and foremost. Um, and my journey into the kind of mental health sector began after I had um, like a soft breakdown, I, I guess, at the end of 2017 that resulted in me taking the entire of 2018 out to look after my own mental health. Um, I had a year of cognitive behavioural therapy and I've just kind of re-entered the industry and during that time, I found that there was very, very little help um, for people within the arts, especially in regards to mental health. And that's how Applause for Thought was born, which is a non-profit organisation that provides free and low-cost mental health support, talks and workshops to everyone working in the entertainment industry, from front of house to backstage to producers to performers. Um, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. I think, know that, about me? <laughs> I think that's so important that we also have those services for people who are who who are like working front of house as well yeah. because that's while while you're auditioning while you're like while you're grinding is when <coughs> these things can yeah. really mm -hmm. attack you. One of the first things I did with Applause for Thought is find a therapist who gives discount on. That's my biggest mission, really, yeah. because of thought, is to provide subsidised therapy for, mm -hmm. for people. Um, and he agreed to give discount to everyone 
um, within that field oh, wow. um, that can present a uh, whether that be a payslip from a theatre or costume lighting designers yeah, yeah, literally yeah. the whole shebang and I, I actually have two uh, stage management team that are now in therapy um, oh, wow. through that service because I think that we only work when we are a community and we respect that everyone's whether you're behind the desk or in front of the desk we're all working on that same um, project and have similar stresses mm. and vulnerabilities and insecurities and pressures. Wow. That's awesome. We'll get more into that later on. Eddie? Hi, I am Eddie, and I worked with Daniel many, many years ago when he was fresh out of drama school. <laughs> um, and then we worked again more recently in uh, 2016 uh, in... Um, Motown musical along with Kieran as well, so yeah, oh, I guess we go way back. We do. Um, but I'm here today because my, uh, I, I consider myself to be um, a functioning depressive. I'm currently on medication, have been on and off for probably, I don't know, 10 years now. Um, and my first issues with mental health originated in drama school where, you know, um, I had to leave drama school training through self-harm, because of self-harming and, you know, which culminated in a, a suicide attempt. And I've had a really, really convoluted and very difficult journey into getting the help I needed mm. at drama school since leaving as an adult, now as, as a performer, as a father. Um, so I'm very passionate about advocating for people who, who are suffering in any way, shape or form with mental health issues, whether they be, you know, mild... Anxiety or depression, right down to schizophrenia and all those other kinds of things. So that's why I'm here and I'm happy to share my insight and my thoughts and feelings on the matter. Yes, and I think it's so important for Eddie to be here, especially as a person of colour and somebody who works in the industry because I feel like that is underrepresented. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're just going to like talk about that. But first, but first, we're gonna play the tribe game. Vanessa, will you explain the tribe game? So the tribe game, oh, you, you're on a timer, so 30 seconds we're going 30 for, seconds. And you basically just have to list everything that you are a part of. So it's essentially, if you put a selfie of yourself up on Instagram and you put a hashtag, what would all the hashtags be? Oh, gosh. So you could, but you have to say the tribe at the end. So okay. if I went, I would say... Female tribe, Sierra Leone tribe, actor tribe, okay. um, veganish tribe, okay. um, juice tribe, <laughs> okay. fruit tribe, oh my whatever. God. It could be you anything. Have to go. It's, like, oh my God. it's the tribe that messes you okay. up because you could just spin all the things yes, that you yes. like. Okay, it's the tribe, tribe. That messes tribe. You up. I was yeah. so rubbish. I'm anxious. Sweating. Are we ready? Who's first though? Oh, you. Ladies first. Okay. Here we go. Here you go. Okay, female tribe, Italian tribe, actor tribe, uh, pizza tribe, coffee tribe, bath tribe, ally tribe, uh, mental health advocate tribe, uh, sharing tribe. Um, smoking tribe? Can I say that? Yeah. Smoking tribe. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Smoking tribe. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, flowers tribe. Festival tribe. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. 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 Oh, good. Lord. Are you ready? No, but let's go. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Okay, here we go. Uh, go! African tribe, Nigerian tribe, uh, black beauty tribe, gay man tribe, gay black man tribe, gay black man father tribe, yes. adoptive father tribe, pet chicken tribe, garden <laughs> tribe, plant tribe, flowers tribe. <laughs> Performer tribe, actor tribe, singing tribe, shake your booty tribe, shake your left foot tribe, I love the world tribe, Croydon tribe. Ning, 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 ning. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I love the world tribe. Shake your left foot. Oh, so good. Wait, you still got them chickens? <laughs> no, no. So I've got five chickens, you right? Have ants, I, no, my ants have gone. I have kids. Oh. I have responsibilities, but I have five chickens. Sporty, baby, ginger, posh, and what's that the one called? Here's baby! Have <laughs> a baby? Yes. Uh, five you, didn't say, you didn't say spice. But, yeah, but they're called spice. Scary. Scary. Oh, they're the spice ginger. Sporty. And they're all called spice. They're all spice. Yeah. So I've got my chickens. Baby. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, my, my chickens, one of them is called Patty the Bell, mm-hmm. which she sings. Yes, I remember you told me. Yeah. You got um, chickens as well? Yeah, well, well I, don't have, I didn't have them. I didn't have them. It's my family. Um, I don't eat eggs. But Patty the Bell is the one that stuck in my mind because she sings. Oh my God! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Where my background sits! Yeah. I love that! I love that! I don't know the words! I don't know the words! It's Cardi I love that! I just, I just wanted to take a moment just to give a big shout out to Chia, Phoenix. We miss you! Our fourth member of the Palace of the Dogs who couldn't be here today. She is. She needs her cocoonage time. Yeah, she's doing so life. She's doing life. But she's been. She's working on. She's working on bringing back her play 40 Elephants. She did a read-through for that um, a couple of weeks ago that I got to sit down and um, listen to. But she's doing all the bits. Um, so, yeah, love you, Chia. Let's get into the talk. So, Raph, um, will you speak about your findings of, um, through Applause for Thought and any developments that have been made to support performers and things yes so um what we what we do essentially is what what i found um is that people have been having conversations about mental health whether that be privately or openly um but it, it stopped at that for me the thing that is lacking uh in the progression of helping people with mental health are actual physical tangible tools in which people can use to get better So our hashtag and our mantra is education equals prevention. Um, If you educate people on mental health issues, if you start in schools, um, then it will prevent issues from developing or worsening. So what we do at Applause for Thought is put on events every other month that tackle different issues in which we have a qualified therapist who comes in. um, And our next one, for example, next week is on loss and grief. We've got a therapist who's coming in to create a unique grieving structure for people who work in the arts. How do you tackle losing someone whilst on a show, being on tour, on a zero-hour contract auditioning? You you need that money to to pay your rent, but you need to be with your family. Um, Going on with a smile every day when you've suffered a serious loss, all of these things, there's no compassionate leave in place. 
Um, some I've been on shows where some people haven't been allowed to go to funerals, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think you can dictate that um, losing a mother means you can go to a funeral, but losing an auntie doesn't. When no. that woman might have been more of a mother to you than your mm-hmm. actual mother. I think that's really interesting because I, um, while I was in Lion King, um, a cast member and our resident director passed away um, quite suddenly, and we had to do the show. That night we got that information and we, it was just like bang straight on. Um, but if but, you were in an office, you wouldn't have gone to work. Exactly, and I think we, I think they really underestimated how much damage that put on a lot of people mm. in the cast. Like the cast was not the same no. at all. No. You have to be emotionally available to perform. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you know, to, I'll come back to the point you just made. Um, there's also the danger of it being very, very similar what you have to experience during a show yeah. as what you're actually experiencing yeah. in your personal life. Mm. And it's dangerous. I mean, we're talking Black Swan when that all mm. kind of starts to collide mm. together. Mm. It's not a good place to be. Mm. Mm. Really not. No. Um, but the biggest mental health issues that I have found from my research and when people write in is anxiety and self-esteem. Mm. Huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The people who contact me, it goes in this general order. White women, followed by white men, black women, and black men. Mm. In terms of people yeah. who, who approach me. And that is something I've massively noticed. Yeah. And when I put on my panels, the, the struggle that I have to go through to make sure that my panels are diverse mm. is huge because they're not reaching out mm. at, uh, as much as the white community, mm. um, which is something that I really think needs to be discussed yeah. um, and improved. Um, but the people that have contacted me, um, people of colour, their issues have been a sense of identity, um, self-esteem, and the most has been coming out. Yep, mm, absolutely. Um, so I think that that is obviously uh, an issue that stems from... Se- that issue within the community, mm. um, and yeah, that's they're my they're my findings oh, wow. basically. Yeah, but, the order isn't surprising at yeah. all. Yeah, no. We we had an event last year, um, the Generation Expat, <laughs> and something that stuck <laughs> out with what you were saying to do with identity was that a lot of people felt like when they're walking into. Vanessa, you can explain it better than I can. For me, like, it didn't affect me. I grew up in a very, very um, culturally diverse area, not even just black. I'm talking, like, everything I grew up in, like, North London for the first part of my life. So um, the only time that I, even when I moved out of London, the only time that I really became aware of being a minority is when I came back to drama school, just because I guess in terms of, even though I went to one of the most diverse um, drama colleges probably in the UK, Mm. everyone knows that, it's still not as diverse as you would think. And that was the first time where I even came across people that didn't know what Diwali was. And that blew my mind because growing up, year four, year five, you celebrate it with them every year. You celebrate all the cultures every year. So that was really shocking for me. And the more the more time I've spent in this industry, the more I'm very aware of being a minority. Mm. And just the conversations that I've had with different friends, the impact that I have on me now for being in predominantly white spaces, is quite um, heavy mm. on me. And I, f- I find it really difficult being... It's, it's that thing of you 
you kind of feel like you have to always be on guard yeah. and you know that someone's going to throw something your way that you're not prepared um, to, that you may not be prepared to combat that day. So the identity thing is feeling like, it's kind of, I think I've discussed it with you before, Daniel, it's kind of not really feeling like you fit in in this industry because you're looked at as an other and people do the whole um, I don't see colour thing and it's kind of like, mm, it's both a lie and it's um, it's a denial. It's a denial. It's dismissive. Yeah. Is the is because the main I, thing? I'm not, embarrassed not of, I'm not embarrassed by my yeah. features and my heritage. Yeah. So you know, but the, just to, to, to add to that, like it, it's a similar thing for being um, um, of dual nationality. <laughs> no mixed race. Um, I get asked within sort of three exchanges, "Where are you from?" Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's cool if you're asking literally where I'm from, which I will answer. But then the, the follow-up question is, oh, no, where are you really from? Mm. So I answer what I know they actually meant by the first question. So then when I ask the person who's asked me where they're from, they yes. say where they're from. And I say, well, where are you really from? Yeah. And there's a slight sort of micro-expression of, don't be so ridiculous. So the question, when it's fed to me, means something different to when it's fed back yeah. to the person who originally asked it, which sort of poses the idea that it doesn't matter how many generations one can be in England, we're still tourists. Yeah. And that is where I take a little bit of umbrage. I got asked by um, uh, a pianist at, at, in, in rehearsals why I was so exotic looking. Oh, wow. That very phrasing. Mm. And I said, surely you don't mean why. It's like, what do you mean by why? Do you mean how? <laughs> yes, probably, yeah. But yeah, it was just it's, the strangest it's, thing. I, I got in a rehearsal, I was having a fitting, and they, the, the top half of my dress was supposed, obviously supposed to, it was mesh slash see-through, and it was a, a quote-unquote nude colour. And, you know, it obviously wasn't my nude, it was like a beige colour. And I said to them, is this supposed to be my skin tone that's supposed to be nude? And the dressmaker actually said to me, yeah, but I didn't know you were going to be darker-skinned. In terms of, like, I was being an inconvenience here. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know you were... I just assumed it'd be normal. I didn't know yeah. we were going somewhere else with it. And it's just that constant idea of of feeling... I guess kind of like you're an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Well, we know the industry is moving, and, and that's great, but it's the constant pushback that you get from people. And for some people, it's not even conscious. For a lot of people, no. it's not even... It's just the, the yeah. odd comment, pink curling your hair. Just I've had people say, just do whatever you can with that. It's just always that it's, yeah. it's people are defensive because unfortunately they haven't done their job to the full amount and they don't they're not aware of how to deal with other having other people in an, in their environment but then you get the defensive yeah. back like like yeah. why why are you so exotic like well, this is new yeah. to me yeah. and it's, it's but then because it's so it can be so covert sometimes. That's oh. why I think it links to the mental health because I've had it all the time. I'm always Paddling. calling, passing yeah. through the semantics always. of what people mean. I'm always having to say. call friends and be like, "Am I overreacting here, mm. or is this?" And just in that, in that space, can make you, can make you rethink yeah. a lot of things. And I mean, going back to the the list that Raf gave us, it's it's interesting that the least amount of interactions that you've got are from black or ethnic minorities when actually they're more susceptible to getting, having mental health problems. Um, Statistically, yeah. Statistically. Even though we are such a minority in the UK, we're ten times more likely to have 
be sectioned or have a, a psychotic episode or... I don't know if that's the right word. I've got two uh, ideas yeah. as to why this might be. Yeah. Only because when we were rereading this, something jumped out, jumped out to me. Is it uh, less likely um, to be diagnosed with like minor mental health issues, yeah. but more likely to be with severe? Mm. And I believe that, um, I don't know whether you agree, but that's what I mean about education equals prevention, is that uh, if minor... Uh, mental health issues aren't spoken about and they're not allowed mm-hmm. to vent, they're not allowed to express mm. this, then they build up and become something really severe. So yeah. I think there's something right at the start where they, people of colour don't feel like they're able to share I their just, experiences. I think culturally, being from a West African household, mental health issues don't exist. Yeah. Right. You can feel sad, you can feel angry, but for it to be a medical condition mm. is almost beyond their realm of, of possibility and understanding. So, you know, even with my own family, who kind of know, I mean, my dad doesn't even really know after these many years that I probably have been in hospitalised before. Um, it's something that's so... You're, almost, a, you're a pariah if you have mental yeah. health. I from the West Indian aspect. It's, um, it, it, it's considered, you know, it, it, it's catching. Yes. Almost. There's an idea that it's literally communicable. Like if, if someone has mental health illness, you have to yeah. pack them away, yes. not talk about them, mm. and they don't exist. And, you know, the ones that pray will pray over them, and the ones that don't exactly will just ignore them. But if we're talking mental health based in the UK, mm-hmm. amongst Spain, in this conversation, to even discuss mental health is a privilege. Yes. To even be able to talk about it, to even be able to express it is a privilege yeah. that unfortunately a lot of the BAME community were not afforded. Yeah. So you moving over here from West Africa or mm-hmm. the Caribbean, your sole purpose is to survive, yeah. is to find a job. Yeah. To fi- and we know this in the, the kind of jobs that are expected from us, the grades that are expected from us. So to then come with this extra stuff, quote unquote, this is not my opinion, but I mean, to then come with this extra stuff of, I feel a bit sad today. In their eyes, it's like, great, have you got a job yet? Have yeah. you got some... Yes. It's, 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 totally it's a very westernised, it's, it's a privilege, unfortunately. But also, amongst oppressed groups, showing any sign of weakness, weakness. Yeah. just makes you a target. Mm, yeah. mm. And so there's this idea that even if you're, you're feeling the pulls of some, some um, uh, mental health issue or any other issue that's um, um, rising in life and, and preventing you from just getting by, yeah. you ignore it and you allow it mm. to just move out of your focus. And it links and into shame. Our communities, mm-hmm. unfortunately, are so, they're so big on shame. A lot of the times you find a lot of the pressure that our parents put on us isn't even about their opinion. It's about what we're going to look like to the rest of yes, the village. Yes, on the head. So for you to the, come with all this mental health stuff, it's like, in their opinion, first of all, God is there, so you, we know what that's like already. Mm. Pray, pray it away, and it will go away fine. On top of that, who are you going to go? You want to go and speak to someone else about what's going on in our family house? Unacceptable. Mm. Unacceptable because it makes me look like a bad parent, and, it, and it's all about shame. We're just unfortunately. So that's, I think that's got a lot to do with surviving in a society yeah. that isn't, that is hideous towards you. Yeah. So. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah, get on with it. Yeah. And pray in private. Yeah. There's also the, um, what's the word? Cumulative effect of very minor events yeah. mm. that happen so consistently yeah. that the weight of that over time causes a higher rate of mental 
health illnesses in certain demographics. Because, as you mentioned, minor issues, uh, or what would be relatively minor um, mental health issues, um, are actually more prevalent in other demographics. Mm. But at the, the, the ones that um, require sectioning or uh, the intervention of um, uh, medications mm. are much more likely um, amongst um, black, yeah. Asian, minority ethnic communities. Um, so is that due to uh, a cultural or traditional element, or is that due to a diagnostic issue mm. that we're perhaps not addressing? Is there um, a discrepancy or, or misunderstanding between mm. those that uh, um, diagnose these issues? Yeah. And are they therefore jumping to a more extreme case yeah. of, of yeah. treatment so. because they don't connect enough? They don't enough recognise certain mm. things in, in, something. In, in the difference of cultures. But who are these people diagnosing them? I, I don't know the statistic, but... Um, I have searched for a therapist of colour to come on board, mm -hmm. to no avail. Mm -hmm. How can you diagnose someone that you don't understand the issues yeah. that, you're, that, that they're coming to you with? Mm -hmm. um, and this, you will be able to answer this all much better than me, but I have a thought that perhaps there is an already established lack of self-esteem in people of colour because they have been treated or um, have been told from an early age that they are seen as lesser than, yeah. so we'll have to work twice as hard, mm. yeah. um, which goes somewhere, um, as you say, and then and then builds into these bigger self-esteem issues and a kind of really deep connection with with self-hatred and not feeling worthy, which is where the which is the core of most mental health issues, yeah. Yeah. is the sense of not being worthy, not being worthy to live, not being worthy of love. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know if you agree that For you sure. start I, I, on the back I foot. Think, I, think, yeah. Yeah, I think it's such a complex issue and it has its roots in so many different things. Uh, this is probably one of the largest um, factors. But also, I mean, maybe speaking with someone with uh, Italian heritage, mm. you can understand that sometimes just because you're not... You, you know, you're, I'm assuming you've lived here your whole life, like, but that, do, that doesn't matter. Yeah. They just go, you have Italian heritage. And sometimes mm -hmm. because, because of that's lodged in somebody's mind, they already think you don't know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Or they already think that when you act a certain way, you're being histrionic mm -hmm. or you're being extra. And it's funny because like, I've been in relationships with cultures um, that are very different to mine. And at first you'll see a behaviour and you'll think it's bizarre. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I've dated Jewish people and, and I've dated um, uh, uh, people from Korea and, and, I'll, and I'll watch behaviour, but then I'll understand what it is and I'll see that it's exactly the same as cultural identities I've um, been used to, having um, Irish parentage and uh, West Indian um, heritage. Um, and I go, wow, it, it's actually exactly the same. It's just manifest in a slightly different way mm -hmm. or... The, the, the words or the body language is just a little bit idiosyncratic, mm -hmm. but it's the same. Every single people experience the same expression, it just has a slightly different wrapping on it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I was at a couple of months ago uh, at an event and um, I met an MP who, want, who and a, friend of, and a mutual friend of ours introduced us and he wanted to talk about whether or not there was a correlation between mental health and the stabbings that have been going on. Um, in London, predominantly focusing on um, young black men. And 
I brought up a conversation that I'd had with Daniel and it was about this idea of like, I grew up in, a, as I said, in a mixture of areas and I grew up around poverty and around some friends that had money. I was never involved in certain things, but I was around it a lot, so I'm very aware of it. And I said, um, it still affects me, but I wasn't a part of it. And I, and I also am blessed enough to have the education to know mm-hmm. what's going on. And Daniel made a great point to me that I think you could expand on now. It's the idea of a lot of these young black men know they're frustrated. They know something's un- there's an imbalance. They know something's unfair in their lives when they go into certain parts of London and they see certain parts of London reflected on TV that doesn't reflect when they look outside mm-hmm. of their windows and they see... I see this man that looks nothing like me with a briefcase and money. Why does he have all this money? And why is he living a good life? And I'm poor. And there's six of us in a two-bedroom apartment. They know that there's unfairness, but they they don't have the education to mm. understand why, which breeds frustration. Yeah, a, fr- it's, it's a frustration and a self-hate. Yeah. And the only way that you can express this hate is by... Well, you can self-harm, or you can see somebody walking down the street who looks exactly like you and harm them. And harm them. The same yeah. If you can't say, you do. Yeah. And it's always said that if you do not have the vocabulary yeah. to express what it is, it, it's, it's the natural reaction to start to become ballistic, which yeah. is like moving your, your arms. Yeah. And violence is the extreme result of not being able to t- talk about exactly what's going on in yeah, your mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, a, a danger that is um, encompassing. Mm. I'm just, just wanting to expand on Now that I'm a father of two who are uh, three and two, two years old, I encourage actively for them to talk about their, their feelings mm. every single day. You know, the language of, you're feeling grumpy or you're feeling upset because of this, why you're feeling upset, it's okay to, to say how you're feeling. Mm. That, that kind of... Allowing them to yes, yes. recognise, identify, oh, yes, exactly. rather than saying, oh, you feel, yes. cheer up. Yeah. Exactly, and yeah. co- it's not cultivated. In the household I grew up in, you know, feelings were so far down the list, yeah. beyond, <laughs> behind achievements, as you said, academical, yeah. you know, uh, career-wise, or, you know, just obedience to, you know, getting on with it. It's, it's so interesting. Go sad. Go feel sad yeah, on the yes, dishes. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's, it, it starts so back, so early down the line, you know, we talk about in education, it begins at home. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, just even I grew up with lots of Asian friends, I think non-white Western families culturally have, don't we talk about feelings. Mm. I've had friends from the Middle East, friends from, you know, who are Indian, Pakistani, African, West Indian, and we're not really brought up talking about our emotions, you know, and it's so damaging, it's, it's yeah. so detrimental to your own sense of well-being and, and self-development mm. and self-acceptance. Mm. Because they're, they're a natural result of you being in the world and operating within the world, and so then instantly you have a, a translate between what you're feeling and yeah. what you're feeling is acceptable. Mm. Yeah. And that just widens. You start to have a gulf develop between the feelings yeah. and what you think you should be feeling mm-hmm. rather than just acknowledging that I feel down today or I'm feeling isolated mm-hmm. or I'm feeling great today, you know, fantastic. The, the, the relationship between um, certain groups and their, and, and their emotional well-being is, is something that really needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And I think in, what, sorry, sorry I was just going to say, me. just to finish, it, it, that in the performing world, um, where it's largely neglected, yeah. because 
our very job is to go to the extremes of human emotion, then nobody writes about the play when not, nothing really, uh, basically the most yeah. average thing happened. Mm. Yeah. It's always about that day when the extreme things mm. happened. Mm. And we have to do that day after day after day. And even when we're not doing that, we're rehearsing material that's yeah. about that, or we're going to auditions which are stressful in themselves. I don't know. Trying to demonstrate that <laughs> moment when you know, the when, most extreme thing happened. When we did Generation Expert, I found it really, really interesting. We had Palace of the Dogs event where we were basically discussing race in the industry. And we had what was great was um, a broad spectrum of shades, but mm. also of ages. And what I found really, really interesting was that it seemed that the older generation were less um, angry and frustrated than we were. And I had this conversation with my mum afterwards, and it it's this idea of when you come to this country as an immigrant or you're very aware that you are coming here so what um you feel you feel quite grateful for a lot of stuff mm -hmm. but when you so i am just as british as my as my white colleagues i was born here just like you and when you have that it's even more frustrating because you feel like we, we my mum comes here she has an accent so she's expecting to get some sort of pushback but i'm like I grew up here with you, with everyone. I, sh I should be afforded the same um, opportunities as everyone else. It's, it's a very frustrating mental thing of, as I said, living in a household that's African or, mm -hmm. or non-UK, but growing up with your UK friends. And it's that idea of identity. You don't quite know where to place yourself. Mm -hmm. And I've had this conversation with specifically a lot of my black female friends as we all had to be mothers one day. And this idea that Raf said of, are we going to tell our kids that you need, from the off, you need to work harder? Do we do that? Are we are we um, are we stifling them by telling them that? I'm gonna put that question out to you guys Ooh. because I know I know I was and I'm, I would bet money that all of you were told. Look, you're gonna have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Mm. We know that, and you're told that from. I don't even know how old I was when I was told that, but I know I was told that. You, I don't have. Any I, th I think I think it's important to implement that, but you better give them some education sure, as well. Sure. You can't just leave. It you can't, can't give them that and in. Get, and it, get a star. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You have to you have to educate them because I wouldn't be the person that I am today if my mum wasn't feeding me all these black history books sure. to empower myself. But is it in in different? So like I saw an interview with Jay Z and he was talking about his kids and he was talking about yes you equip them with tools but it's different tools for a different time. Is this world? I don't know. I doubt it, but it may be very different to the landscape in which we grew up in. So Completely. maybe you'll be giving them tools for the wrong battle. Because exactly, I yeah. in 10 years, this world, I don't know, I doubt it, but it may be very different to the landscape. Completely, yeah. Ten, 10 years is conservative, considering sure. what uh, the number 45 has just said sure, to sure, four sure. women of Congress. But uh, who knows? We I, can I, hope. I just, As just, someone with children, yeah. yes, yes. I just want to expand on what you what, what but a lot of my a lot of my uh, mental health uh, issues are tied up in failure, 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 mm -hmm. failure, yeah. not being good enough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something that I struggle with, even on my best day. As an actor, as as a performer in the industry, we're constantly, I guess, in, in the very few industries where you have to keep applying for work and putting yourself on the line. You know, sometimes it's, a, it's weekly, it's it's monthly, or mm. after the end of the year, you're back out there and you're at, at zero, and you're constantly mm. putting yourself in front of people and asking them to validate you. Mm. Unless you have the strong sense of self worth, you know, that's, that's ingrained in you, which it isn't for many of us. Most of us, I don't think. 
you know, you, you fall into problems. Drama schools fail us there, actually. Yeah. Yes, they, they oh, yes, yes, they do. I mean, I, 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 when I first became ill, maybe 15 years ago now, there was nothing on, on, on hand for me. The pe- pe- teachers, adults were at a loss as to what to do with me. Eventually, I did a project... Uh, a performance project where I felt I was really, really awful. And, and funnily enough, it was a very right play, um, a very right play, Northern play, where one of the other actors mentioned, used the word blackie. Mm-hmm. And here I was, a black trainee actor in a white play, pretending to be a white person, so that it was, you know, it was, it was okay for them to use the word blackie, and then someone make a slight, a side look, you know, a glance at me within character to make to make light of it. I mean, that's a minor issue, but that, that's just another thing where you know your black isn't your blackness or your otherness isn't catered for a drama school. I just feel like but, sorry but to but when it's relevant for for other people to reference. Yeah. But also, usable. I want to say, the fact that you're able so easily to pull on that mm-hmm. means that it's still with you. Yes, of course, yes. I, have, I, just, I can name you ten right now similar, mm-hmm. and it's just the idea of, like you were saying, about how it builds up over time. Like These things don't leave you. You yeah. remember every time. Yes, you do. In my training, just to mention a point that's relevant, um, there were very rarely any shows that were catered to mm-hmm. Bane performers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in the smattering of roles where they could have or were supposed to be BAME, they actually didn't cast them that way. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, I, I never understood why they didn't do that. It is, it's, a, it's a massive failing on, um, you know, on the whole, they, you know... <laughs> do, you, they, do you think being black, a black male, a black gay male, exacerbates that feeling of not, not feeling good enough? Definitely. Being... being, being uh, it's it's identity is such an objective thing, but um, but 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 it, it's so complicated. I I was I was I'm a black male who went to a predominantly white private school, so sometimes I was called a coconut by my my black counterparts on my street. You know, brown on the outside, white on the inside. But we're, we're even in white circles, you're always the brown one. You're yeah. always the black mm-hmm. one. Yeah. There's always. You're, you're sassy, you are, you love fried chicken. I mean, every stereotype, that, you know, and, and when you're growing up, you laugh it off and you go, oh, yeah. And I, I even get, getting into the industry, I remember my first job was the Lion King in the West End. And that w- I was able to celebrate my blackness and own my blackness. Mm-hmm. And here was a costume department who dyes our socks yeah. and our, our shoes are made to our exact shade and once they start fading they go and re-dye them we again. You will never understand. That's why I say Motown was such a... I was, I was exhausted, yes, but I've never... I was able to go into work for the first time mm-hmm. and any problems I were having were just that of problems that anyone had. Yes. It wasn't that plus my blackness. Yes. Do you know yes. what I mean? Yes. So yes. I could go into a space and the if I was The only costume was the character's right. costume. Right, exactly, you had to put on exactly. If I wasn't feeling, you know, light and bubbly, it didn't have, oh, oh, what's all oh, she's got? Yes. No one did this to me. No, no one yes. said, hey, girl. It was yes. all that. And all those things that you think. You just take for granted. Mm-hmm. My microphone matched my skin. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to ask. Oh my god, that's my that biggest. That's one of my biggest, yeah. biggest qualms. When they give you skin tone mics, so you know our white counterparts <laughs> have maybe beige-ish. I mean, they're not great, but then they give me as a dark black one a, a black. jet black mic. A black <laughs> and it's a thing that I actively do now. I ask the sound department, "Oh, are you ordering them in? Oh, yeah, are they so coming?" Right. And they do. Tell oh, we're ordering, ordering them. Yeah. They never arrive. 
but I still have that conversation. I'm entitled to have the same attention given to me, yeah. attention to detail, mm-hmm. as my white counterpart. Because yeah. they had that in the, like royal ballet and things. Yeah, it's, they, it's they were giving black, black dancers. Uh, Pink tights. It's just it's 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 yeah. The point of the color of the tights was to extend the line of the body. So if but you it's give that idea that no one's. We, they had that at my college as well, but no one wants to. They, they people fear singling out because they mm. think that is an, a racist act. So what they do is they just ignore it yes. entirely. And it's mm. like actually, if you just tell everyone to come in their own skin colored tights, that's actually not a problem. People don't want to. They think if I even acknowledge that people are different colours, I'm now being racist. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. ignoring it and making me feel invisible is worse. Yeah. So, do you think that maybe there's a a, a problem in basically the the polarised society we we sort of stumbled into now? Um, because the world five years ago was a very different place to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Do you think people are backing away from having discussions and are, are, are much worse at confronting? their ignorance or asking for help on, on these things. Because I, like you said, you mentioned how a, a, fl- a inverted commas, nude coloured mesh was not nude on your skin and you were met with abrasion. Yeah. And are you finding that, that, that this is actually kind of worse? Or? I, feel, I, feel, I feel like it's gone to the point where people are now using it <laughs> against me. Like, um, say if we have, we've got Say if I'm in a warm-up and and the dance captain plays a song and it's got the N-word in it. Before I can before I can say anything, yeah. my white counterpart's like, oh no, that's awful. No, you have yes. to turn that off, you yes. have to turn that off. But actually, you don't know what that word means for me. Yeah, right. I feel I feel now that things that conversations are almost being used against me and problems are are coming up even before even before i've had a chance to think just being spoken yeah but actually that backs me into a corner way more than you're actually singling me out more you can know that there's an issue or you can feel there's an issue without feeling like you have to come and demonstrate that to me because that's actually exactly you don't need to come and tell me Oh, I noticed that they play the song. Yeah. Just yeah. know for yourself. Yeah. But do you know what? But for me, that I would still take that any day over any, you know, covert racism. Or I, I, it, it, for me, it shows a willingness to try and engage, yeah. a willingness to try and identify a different person's struggle, whether it's clumsy, whether it's you know it's not done particularly well. I still feel the conversation is being had because, as you say, fifteen years ago it wasn't happening. Mm. I remember my my first job after Lion King was a pretty much an all white uh, musical set in the Midwest of America in the eighteen hundreds. I won't give too many details, um, but if you check my spotlight, you can find out. <laughs> 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 you know, the director very clearly said, look, you know, technically you wouldn't be here as a black person, you wouldn't be in this in this um in this uh in this town in Iowa, it was where it was set, but um we want we loved you and you're great, which fine. Uh, but then I felt and this is having been in a show for a whole year with black people, or what, black, Asian, Greek, Brazilian, it was so exotic, it was a world community, suddenly being the token black person in a show 
was exhausting. Basically we being told that you couldn't be black. Yes, you couldn't be black, but you... Oh, I mean, again, it was, it was well-meaning, but then my biggest problem was going to the pub afterwards. And I remember very clearly, one of the actors saying, well, my dad walked into a pub, a very nice man, and he was like, oh, oh, goodness, oh, goodness, there's, there's a blackie. A, a black person walked in. And I remember now sitting there and chuckling away really politely, and I'm angry with myself now as a 35-year-old versus a 24-year-old man who, surrounded by white older actors who should have known better, and I just laughed along, because actually, you don't want to draw attention to yourself sometimes. You don't want to be the only voice for black people. You don't want people to come and say, oh, they use a nigger word. Mm. What's your take on that? As if you represent the whole black community. Yeah. And that's what but I was going to say to, to yeah. your point. I understand that it's, it's showing a willingness, and that's great. All I'm saying is, don't always expect me to clap for you every time you do yeah. yes. That's all yes. yeah. I get it, and we should all be moving forward, and it's not even just a race thing, it's with homosexuality, it's with mm. everything, but it's always put on the other person to, to be grateful. At least yes. there's yeah. one person that's yes. not, it's yes. like, well, great. Yes, yes. yes. Eddie, will you speak more about your, your mental yes. health? Yes, 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 I will. So I didn't know that mental health was, it was even a thing. Um, I, I originally went to, to university to do a law degree. Um, my parents were ecstatic, African, like, here, yeah, my son is going well. Um, <laughs> and then fast forward six weeks at, at, at doing law, and I hated it. I went to drama school, a year later auditioned and found my tribe. You know, I literally found my tribe. This is the life I wanted to be part of. But then the self-doubt started creeping in. You know, I'd come from a very academic background, I went to, you know, very academic background, and where you can quantify 85% of something and you go, yes, I understand that you, your 85 versus my 92 makes me better, mm. uh, makes me worthy. And you start seeing t talent can't be quantified in the same way mm. someone can get. Exactly. Yeah, no. So I just thought everyone was better than me. I felt like a fraud a failure, I couldn't do accents, I'd never had a singing lesson in my life, I'd never had a dance class in my life, and here was me trying to pretend to be something, and the more I tried, the more I felt like I was failing. So this, you know, spiraled. Eventually, my singing, my singing teacher couldn't teach me, apparently. Again, I, could, could, were they catered enough to sing, to teach a black male uh, how to sing? Or was it one size fits all? I don't know, I'm asking a question out there, putting a question out there, but eventually, I started self-harming, and a few months later, finally got in a counsellor for me, and that counsellor was not qualified to deal with what I had at the time. I remember sitting in this room, a studio, and being asked to do visualisation of a beach, of the water going in and out of the tide. When you're mentally ill, and things have got to this point, you need intervention of some description that's going to be a little bit more than just nice, nice thoughts. Um, eventually, I was asked to leave. I was asked to leave because I was very clearly struggling. And rather than trying to help me, they said that I'd go away and, and get better for a year and come back. And on that very day, um, I decided that I was going to end my life. And I remember sitting, sitting in a studio and I'd, and I'd smashed it up and I'd smashed everything around me and then this calm fell on me and I thought, I can't keep doing this struggle. I can't keep doing this struggle and I'm going to end it. And this sense of calmness came over me, and I went into the male toilets and decided to hang myself from, with using my belt from one of the bathroom stools. Now, luckily, my boyfriend had gone to get help at the time um, as I was, you know, breaking up, smashing up this room, and noticed that I was missing, and worked out where I was, and psh, b banged this door down, 
and um, found me found me hanging there from my belt, and you know managed to, to grab my legs and and stop me from 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 from, um, from you know choking so much, and then shouted for help, help, help. Long story short, I was saved, uh, escorted by the police, and ended up in a mental ward, health ward, and this is what we've talked about. Mm. See, we've talked about them black people, people from minor, um, minority ethnic groups, mm. suddenly really end, finding themselves ending up in extreme situations. Mm. Had I had the proper intervention earlier yeah. on, yeah. I wouldn't have been there. Yeah. Anyway, I was discharged on the day, which is great, I was discharged, and then a letter from the NHS came saying that I was on a waiting list and it would be about 52 weeks. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is 15 years ago, but 52 weeks. And here was someone who would try to take their life. Here was someone who was struggling mm. and had been struggling. For, 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 and, and the responsible adults in, you know, in my circle weren't taking care of me. Um, and you've got to I wait gonna, a year. How, can I ask how your, how your family were at, around mm. this point? How my parents didn't know anything was happening until a few days afterwards. And I, I, I want to say this not because I want to paint my mum in a bad light, but I want to be explicit about the kind of cultures we come, come from. Mm. Yeah. My mum's first thing was... But what about me? Oh, 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 me. That's what exactly it. The shame thing. is. It's what, more what about the shame. Didn't you think yeah. of me? Not, yeah. how long has it been happening? Are you okay now? Yeah. What's going to happen what next? Can I do? Yeah. You know? It's, you're it, making it, me it's, look like a bad mother. Yes. Yeah. And it was, just, it was just about, I was like, oh, you've missed the point completely. And that's when I shut down. Like, my family can't help me. It's yeah. about finding help. I'd got to a point. I have the exact, some of the exact same issues mm-hmm. as you with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my father when I was a child. Um, and I was a very carefree child. And then after he died, I became a perfectionist. Everything had to be perfect. Mm. And if anything was less than, not bad things were going to happen to me. But I, I, I had to... He wasn't around anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had to live every day um, in his memory as I was wasting my life. Mm-hmm. And all of these not good enough kind of narratives continued. Um, and stopped me from living my life and... And enjoying um, performing, it was every job was a struggle because mm. even though I booked this job, I thought that I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. on it. And then it's the paranoia and yes. the anxiety. And it got to a point for me on my year out where I was having frequent suicidal thoughts, went to the NHS, was put on um, a waiting list, and all I wanted was peace and calm inside. Mm-hmm. And for me, there was no other way. However, this is the difference. I was in a financial position to be able to get help straight away. Mm-hmm. Weekly £60 CBT from half paid by my mother, half paid for my savings from previous work. My mother has now qualified as a counsellor in charge of therapy, was a rock to me, mm-hmm. was my entire everything. And it was that response that meant that within a year of learning the tools of how to deal with my general, generalised anxiety disorder... I can now flourish, and it's it, that moment. Meanwhile, he's still waiting for his first session. You're still well, waiting for yes, his yes. session, and it's this exact thing, which is why I had to start pause for thought because that is the the crossroads between yeah. saving lives and and people mm. with talent and uh, potential who unnecessarily die. Mm. And I identified that I couldn't wait just two weeks. I, my life didn't mean anything at this point, and I had to save myself. And I took a job as a, um, uh, an office assistant, an office junior, in an accountancy, purely to fund my personal therapy myself. Um, which is great. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm all about self-care, but you know, not everyone has that kind of wherewithal. Not everyone would, would have got a job as quickly as that. And, and, I, and I managed, at the time, there was a postcode thing where you put it on the internet and it showed you three or four therapists that were near you. And 
I called one person day after day and they, went, they wouldn't answer. So anyway, found my other therapist and you know, that started my journey to healing. However, it wasn't for another six years until I started medication, which I know that I as an individual need. I feel like I went to the GP many times in that interim, waiting for the 52 weeks for me to see this mental health person. The GP was reluctant to intervene because there was a, a care p a package of some sorts in plan. So they resigned for a year, waiting, 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 waiting. Um, I never got diagnosed with anything. It didn't take, it took years for me to get a diagnosis. And it's only with the diagnosis that I'm actually able to flourish is the word that you've used. You know, for me to be my best self, I need to be on antidepressants. I needed to have the therapy that I had, an intensive therapy that I had. You know, I had it on and off, and then I had it for a year on the NHS, which was great. You know, not everyone, and, and I think it's dangerous that the NHS is trying to prescribe these six sessions for people now, mm -hmm. if they can get them, and think, off you go. <sighs> You're trying to undo a life, a lifelong build-up of, 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 of damage, and to, try, to say you can, it can be done in six sessions, I think it's selling people short. Mm -hmm. um, six sessions, don't get me wrong, is better than nothing, but we are a long way away from where we need to be. But the problem um, with therapy, though, is you have to get worse before you get better. Yeah. Yes, in yes. Six, in six yes. sessions, yeah. you are, you are yes. scratching at wounds, yeah. and then it's like, off you go. Mm -hmm. You haven't done any of the, the building mm -hmm. and the repair work. Yeah. Also, as a society and as an industry, I feel like we've kind of lost sight of hard work. We expect everything now. Mm. Fame now. West End job now. Before graduates weren't in West End shows. Mm -hmm. Get to work. You had to earn your stripes. Yes. We are a generation of wanting everything now. You know, the perfect showreel of Instagram, all of this stuff. Therapy's hard. Really hard. How much do I talk about how proud I am of my hard work mm. that I put in last year? Because mm. CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, is changing the synapses of your brain. I had to do hours and hours and hours of mental health practice every single day. It was my full-time job in 2018 to get better. And now I reap the benefits of that. Um, you, People aren't prepared to put in the hard work. They want quick fixes. They want to watch TED Talks and um, share live, laugh, love quotes and think that they're practicing their mental health. Um, and on top of that, I see people who are happy to pay £100 for a singing lesson but won't pay £30 for a counselling session or £60 for a counselling session. That is something that we have to change in the industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vanessa and I were in a job and we, we were talking to one person who probably needs intervention of some kind and it got to the point where we convinced the person that they should go and seek help and then they came back after the weekend and said, oh, no, I talked to my friends and they said I'm fine. And um, we're talking about really quite, uh, what would you say, quite advanced... Just Issues. obvious, just in the behaviour, yeah. just obvious. I don't know if I would say it was, I can't diagnose it. No, we no. can't diagnose but mental health issues, but they're not functioning well yeah. in day-to-day -day life. Yeah. And I think that is a very distinct sign that one needs help yeah. or assistance of some kind by someone yeah. who knows what they're talking about. And it's funny because it's amazing that you're doing this, applause for thought, because um, I read an article the other day that... Um, the entertainment industry generates over 10 billion this year for the economy um, versus it's more than agriculture mm -hmm. and yet we are facing the most extreme cuts year on year mm. so there really is no space for um, arts companies and, and produ production companies to make it available this uh, uh, strategies and um, uh, organisations, they, they don't have the funding. They, they, they can't even factor it into the way that they're operating. Mm. So 
it has fallen onto people um, developing um, organisations like yourself uh, to come in and, and facilitate with that because the NHS is overburdened and um, our industry is certainly overburdened yeah. and with something that is considered so sticky and, and no one wants to touch or really talk about or admit with, with such a, a, a taboo subject as mental health it's very easy for it to just get pushed aside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, and you know, I think ultimately you know we're talking about prioritising yeah. what is the priority because I have been in this industry for I don't know, 12, 13 years. And I read, the older I get, the angrier I get at people, at the producers and people in the positions of, who have a duty of care to the people that work for them. I really do feel like we are the last piece in the puzzle and the lowest ranking in the big picture. Mm-hmm. Their investors get their money. Their leads get their money to, you know, so, and the, the help that they need. And having been you know, an ensemble member predominantly for most of my career, I've always felt so disposable, so insignificant compared to other parts of the industry. And for me, it's a real shame. And I know Equity released this new agreement recently where they're talking about, you know, just simple things like if you do a final audition, letting people know whether they haven't got the job, not waiting for six weeks or six days and thinking, oh, I might do, we've all done that thing where, well, I haven't heard today and I might hear tomorrow. And I might hear, and I, I've done, yeah. I've done this exact same thing. All of a sudden, the last three weeks, at the, the yeah. on stage, yeah. breakdown, yeah. the cast, yeah. scanning to yes. see if your name yeah. is actually on yeah. it. But I've had no offer already. Yes, <laughs> but this is the struggle we face. I've done this in the last two weeks. I've waited by the phone, you know, and rather than wasting time, I, I said to my agent, "Do you know if they're letting people know either way?" It's the little things that they can do to make our lives easier. Mm. You know, by saying we understand that you have a big burden. How about we're going to give you two weeks for your material? as opposed to two days. Things like, you know, they, they could find physio, sometimes reluctantly, when you've had six sessions, and, but where are the mental health sessions that they can provide? There's a duty of care. You know, taking care of the body is one thing, the mind, the heart, the emotional stability of, 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 of your workers is paramount, you know? The burden is huge to be a performer. You know, it, it, yes, we enjoy it, and it's something that, you know, it, it, I feel is a privilege, but the burden is huge, yes. you know, the lifestyle is huge there's, for there's all of us. To pay to, there's to a price to, to pay. And Unfortunately for us, we happen to be in an industry that um, obviously provides entertainment for people. And I actually wrote a tweet about it the other day, and it was essentially saying I wish we could consume art without consuming or devouring the artist mm-hmm. as well. I wish we could just take the art and leave it. And I was talking to Raph about it the other day, and I was questioning. They say a lot of people in the arts are people that, you know, maybe didn't get enough attention and so live for the applause mm. or people that need um, to, to play someone else because they can't be themselves. And I'm wondering, is it that? Are we sick before we get here? Mm. Or do we get here and the industry makes us that way? Thank you so much, Vanessa. Um, I think we're going to leave the conversation here. But what I'd like to do is open that question out to our viewers. Um, do you think that we are sick once we get into the industry or are we sick before you can give us a shout at the palace of the dogs at hotmail.com so moving swiftly on we're going to be heading into our tune of the week which is cyrus kamal hair which actually means hey come here in german thank you and enjoy the track 
Cyrus, um, that track is available on Spotify, on YouTube, on iTunes. So give it a listen. That's our tune of a week at Barking this week. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you can hear that silence. Um, so yeah, I'm by myself. So um, yeah. What happened was, was, while I was sending over the soundbite to our sound engineer, that is Alice Mensa, aka DJ Vogue, aka Sound Extraordinaire, Bossy Chick. Um, it was quite late, and I don't think that I should do things when it's late because things go wrong. First of all, it took me three times to send over the the the, the soundbite via WeTransfer because I just kept putting in the wrong email address, and then I ended up deleting the whole end of the podcast. So well done, Daniel. You are brilliant, aren't you? <laughs> So yeah, I wanted to wrap the um, wrap the podcast up and just um, not leave you hanging on Come Out Hair. Just want to do a massive shout out to Solange Erdang um, for providing the Erdang Academy for our recording purposes. A massive shout out to Eddie Elliott and Raffaella from Applause for Thought brilliant brilliant conversation and i hope that any viewers that are listening feel educated feel inspired to go and and seek help if they need it be able to help people within their environment through that as well also if you are struggling and you're a person of color you can contact the Black People's Mental Health Association, the Chinese Mental Health Association, and the British Asian Trust, and also the Northern Ireland Association of Mental Health. And they'll be able to help you in a way that suits you culturally. Yeah, so um, yeah, if you have any any ideas or any topics that you'd like us to discuss, give us a shout out or an email at thepaliceofthedogs at hotmail.com. Do not DM us. Um, and similarly, if you are working on any projects that you'd like us to review or would like to collaborate with us on anything, please, please, please contact us because we're always looking to support new voices and all of them things there so again big up to Vanessa Fisher big up to Kieran McGinn and big up to Chia Phoenix 
Then my fellow dog, them. I hope all of them is blessed up in the sunshine. I catch vitamin D, all of them things there. Wind up yourself, mash up yourself. Carnival soon come. Yes, my dainty. Peace.